Yeah, here. We're fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like if you talk shit on someone, you have to like have like rapid fire gunshot. <laughs> Shots fired. Shots fired. Welcome to Get in the Garage, everybody. That was a candid start. I finally got my candid start. We did one last week. I know, but it was like Yeah, Mike didn't like the candid start because like it was all on him. Random random name drops have nothing to do with anything. We're talking about drops. I didn't Wait, realize that. Are you recording right now? Yeah, we're yeah. recording right now. Oh, yeah. Don't put this on. Yeah, no, this is good content. <laughs> no, it isn't. <laughs> this is what people come to the channel <laughs> oh, for. Oh, God. It's like <laughs> mad ramblings. Idiot. Yeah. Welcome to Get in the Garage, everyone. We have Jeff here with us. What's up, Jeff? Hey, guys. How you doing, man? Oh, I'm doing excellent, especially since we just played some music. Yeah, today. we had a nice jam sesh. Jam. Monday morning jam sessions. Wow. We played from 1020 to 1036. Wow. Well, <laughs> in a way. <laughs> in a way. In a way. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, man. So um, studio bands, uh, side men, uh, uh, you know, like un- maybe instrumentalists slash producers that unsung feature. Unsung um, heroes. Unsung heroes. Mm. I feel like that. that's maybe Some the sung. Some sung heroes. Yeah, you know, maybe but, some but people that you may heroes. have not known about that like may have uh, had a hand in your favorite song or band yeah. or production yeah, yeah, yeah. or... To give you a popular taste of what it is we're talking about, how like Jimmy Page played on uh, the Joe Cocker tune. Well, you know, yeah, like that. the Beatles song, but yeah, yeah, with a little help, with a little help from my friends. Oh, yeah, yeah, that the the guitarist stuff on that is all Jimmy Page. Hmm. Although I do like the guitar player that plays with him at Woodstock. Oh yeah, you know what that's I'm saying? Like the Woodstock set, the guitar player that he has for that set's really good. But yeah, originally it's Jimmy Page. Yeah, I think there's a picture of him on the back of that that cover. Yeah, or how you know another example is Billy Preston playing uh, the solo on uh, "Get Back." You know? Yeah. So yeah, just kind of unsung heroes, people you may not have known. Yeah, that were on certain things. Yeah. But so, also the studio band thing, because we talked about that a little bit last week. Remember, we were talking about like the, you have the Swampers, you have the Motown band, you got the Ah, oh, the uh, Funk Brothers, bro. Funk Brothers. The Funk Brothers. Well, the Meters. Uh, um, Booker T and the MGs. Booker T and the MGs. Um, what was the la- Oh, the Wrecking Crew. Yeah, we're obviously. talking about the Los Angeles. Yeah. So, right. Yeah, we're so, talking about all those kind of killers. Because it's like, uh, one thing that I noticed was like, I think I think it was the Wrecking Crew that played on uh, California Dreamin'. The, um, yeah. Mamas yeah, and Papas. The Mamas and the Papas tune. But like, I've heard other versions uh, I can't. I'm trying to think. Eddie Hazel did a pretty awesome cut of it, mm. but I can't quite remember if it was the same backing track that was the the Wrecking Crew. Because oh, there's right. another version of that song that I heard by somebody else. Like I said, I can't remember who the hell it is. Are you thinking? But uh, I'm saying it's the, the but the whole backing, like the the track the, the that same? they actually sing to, is exactly the same as the Mamas and the Papas version. It's just oh, a different person singing. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, well, get on that Google machine, man. Yeah, like but that Google was like, Jeff, I want to talk to you about, um, uh, what's the song? Uh, it was the song that was done by The Temptations, remember? And then it there was like the the longer version. Oh, yeah. Great uh, what, song called Ball of Confusion. Yeah, Ball of Confusion. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. 
that so the isn't the whole story behind that was that that band did like the radio f- uh, friendly version they cut that and then from what i remember jeff correct me if i'm wrong he's doing i think he's looking it up real quick uh that the band, the backing band was like, oh, this is a dope tune. Like we could do our own version of this, and then they put that on their album, oh, which I can't amazing. remember the name of that album. But that, no, it's I don't remember any other song on that album sounding quite like that song specifically. Yeah, so think I think the story behind that song was the Funk Brothers, which was the uncredited Motown house band. Um, they were doing a lot of work for all of these other groups. Like we all know the Temptations and the Supremes, and, like, the bigger groups. Right. But Motown had a stable of, like, 50 other groups that never had a hit and just worked and did the Chitlin circuit and hit the road and played and all that, but never found wide success. Um, so the Funk Brothers recorded this track, and they did, like, an 11 to 14-minute version yep. that's just very much like Funkadelic at the time where it's just a psych soul jam forever and they had one of the motown groups called the undisputed truth sing over it which was like um a five-person vocal group kind of like the san francisco vocal groups of the late 60s and that song was put out by tamla motown but it didn't hit and the temptations when looking on songs to do they saw all the songs that were being made at motown and they heard that track, and they really liked that track. So all they did is they just kicked all the vocals of the Undisputed Truth off the track. They trimmed it down to like four minutes, and they sang leads over it. Yeah, it's kind of crazy to think how that yeah. can happen, though. You know what I mean? Like here, you have like the major band comes in, and like, oh hey, I noticed like your your house band's got a mm-hmm. couple of these tunes. I, yeah, we'll take that one. Motown was doing that constantly. They would just like record tracks, and they would they chop it around to the artists. Even like I read one yesterday yeah. that was uh. The um, I'm sorry. Is it the Marvelettes? I've never really heard it said out loud. The people that do uh, please, Mister Postman. Yeah, Marvelettes. Yeah, so that would be the first real major hit on Motown for a girl group, right? Mm-hmm. And then the Supremes come along, right? Mm-hmm. And so Motown gives the Marvelettes option. They go, "Do you want to do Come See About Me?" Or we're going to give to the Supremes. And they were like, ah, we don't want to do Come See About Me. And yeah. they were like, all right. And they gave it to the Supremes. And then, you know, like that kind of thing happened. Like it was all done. The song was finished. Just got the vocals on it. Who's doing it? Yeah, it's just the yeah. luck of who wanted to sing it. And what's unique about Motown, like everybody talks about the Motown sound, right? So like, why don't we talk? Why don't we talk about that? Like what, Luke, what in your mind, what what's the Motown sound? What's the what's the iconic sound? In other words, the way that a Mo- that Motown sounds different compared to the Swampers, if you you know what I mean, if you hear something from Muscle Shoals, you hear it and you and you he- like you know what I mean when you find out oh this was recorded Muscle Shoals it makes sense. Equally, I feel like with Motown, Motown has sort of an iconic way that things are recorded and drums. there's a certain sound. Right, right. So we're talking the drums on Motown tracks are like blown out almost like almost yeah a super, lot of them. lots of compression and they're right up. And they're right in the middle. The drums yeah. are almost the loud, or like probably the loudest thing on every Motown song. Yeah. Um. So that's like one thing I I um I would definitely say. Um. The second one, I mean, for me, it's like the live sound too of that band. You know what yeah. I mean? Like they sound. You could tell that most of it was recorded live in the studio. Um. I think that's like the airiness of a lot of the recordings, or like the how it kind of is. The other thing I would I would definitely say is the uh the rhythmic. Uh, bass playing like the bass lines 
Yeah. And, I mean, that's just different because, like, I mean, if you're talking, like, stacks, that kind of stuff, Atlantic Soul, you kind of got more of, like, a like a backbeat. Like that, you know. Yeah. That kind of thing. Where, like, Motown's more, like, bopping on the bass. I don't know. Do you kind of yeah, like think, melodic. Do you, yeah, do you feel like that? It's more in the bass. And then, like, in Southern Soul, it's more of the backbeat of the drums. Creeping yeah. up, yeah. Much more s- stable bass lines in the southern, yeah. Soul. And uh, I Much mean, more root based in the groove where Motown had Bob Babbitt, James Jamerson, who were playing those Paul McCartney style melodic lines, so yeah. it's still rooted in the groove. But a lot of times they'd be jumping out and going higher up on the neck, doing these nice little scale passages. Yeah, I remember seeing a video, I think it was presented by Reverb, uh, mm. dot com that was like, um. Uh, I think paired with like the Chicago Music Exchange, and they were trying to recreate the Motown sound. And I remember seeing the way that they mic'd the drums was pretty different. Like they didn't have, I think it was more emphasis on the overhead mics yeah. rather than the microphones that were actually like on the kit. And the mics that were on the kit, I think it was very minimal. I think it was, I think it was a, a mic on the kick drum, a mic on the snare, and then just two. I've I heard two above them. I, think I heard that was somebody the say this in a, in a music documentary too. But um, if you want like a clear or like a comparison uh sound that's way different in uh stylistically is Led Zeppelin. The way yeah. they stack their recordings is mm-hmm. is definitely Motown drums out right in front. That the bass is melodic on most things, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's it, it almost it's sonically better, right? But it's still. Yeah. I, you know what I'm saying? Kinda right, got right, that, right. That same feel to it. The drums are always, you know, like pushing the, you know. So what? What? So like also, you're... also Motown singles, Motown 45s, vinyl, the loudest. They were they were the first people to go loud. So oh, like, were they? Yeah. So if you put a Motown, if you have a if you have a jukebox, or and you know what I'm saying, you're playing music, whatever. The Motown sounds songs are the loudest because the drums are so loud, and everything's mm. so loud. They were the first people to go. Whoop, and try to just push the limit of everything because when it kicked on a jukebox, oh, that's Motown. I hear it. And and not just the the drums, but one of the signatures of Motown music is such a prominent tambourine, which is those sizzling oh, yeah. highs. So when everything's pushed up yeah. and really compressed with close to distortion, and you have that sizzle, like yeah. that, would, I bet that came on a jukebox, and within two seconds of the song playing people's heads turn because it's just it's like sleigh bells ringing yeah. out through the whole thing where in contrast i would say that like if you listen to the swampers muscle shoals everything is much more like the highs aren't really super high at things get things are a little bit warmer think like uh uh wilson pickett percy sledge aretha franklin uh uh the stones album um sticky fingers was recorded at muscle shoals uh right? two songs two wild, songs on sticky fingers wild horses and brown sugar Oh, okay. If you ever watch um, Gimme Shelter, that documentary, yeah. there's a great scene of them listening to playback that they just recorded Wild Horses, and they're sitting on the floor, and it's just like this panning across the room, and like they're smoking a cigarette, and they're like, it's blowing their minds that they just recorded that song. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Very but cool. but that's a, that that in itself, too, is a very iconic sound, I think. Like, it's so... Would oh, you yeah. say that it's you know it's got that more I mean that warm kind of analog kind of it's drier drier yeah right, right, yeah yeah right. yeah and then speaking of not so much no not so many highs I don't think like you're like not that the tambourine and the shakers and the sleigh bells up in your well yeah and that Motown thing of 
a lot of people tracking at one time. Even yep. the silence has so much sound in it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Where, where yes. the, it sounds like it's shows. recorded in a really big room. Um, right. It's got yeah, that kind of a, cramped. Yeah. yeah cramped it's uh, bleeding. Motown has right. way more bleed right. bleed in the recordings. Yeah. Yeah. Where Muscle Shoals definitely does not. But um, but speaking of even like people uh, who you might know slash not know that were on certain tracks. I mean, that's Muscle Shoals is where Dwayne Allman got his start. And like playing for uh, uh, Ray uh, Parker. Pickett. Ray Parker Jr. is another one. You know, the Ghostbusters theme. Obviously, <laughs> oh, that's yeah, everybody yeah. knows. But he was a Motown guy. That's how he got. His oh, he start. was a Motown guy. Absolutely. He no is on a ton of Motown tracks. He's a, as a guitar player. Oh. So he was heavily involved. Also, yeah. uh, we've been really binging over here, all three of us, on uh, Quest Love's podcast, yeah. uh, Quest Love Supreme, and so good. Ray Parker Jr. I uh, encourage everyone to go listen to that episode. Oh, really? Because I, I, yeah, right. So this is me. I'm kind of scrolling through, and I'm like, who do I know? And I'm like, well, I know Ghostbusters. And I was like, there's got to be something else more interesting. What's behind the story? And yeah. Ray Parker Jr. had such a good story, and he's one of those unsung hero guys. He plays on so much stuff you don't even know. Like wow. he's like, yep, yeah. I'm on that. I'm on this. I'm on that. It was so much stuff I can't even remember it, but um, it, it was so interesting. And he was definitely heavily involved in in the Motown stuff. So yeah, huh? very cool. Hmm. Yeah, and like you know, and you were saying like Dwayne Allman on on Hey Jude, and like yeah, you, that, was mean, his, that, that was his that was his well, that was like how his breakout thing, yeah, right. and that's well, how he got known. Version. And I think it was around the time where um, Clapton was kind of like yeah. he had well, the left cream and all that stuff. Hold up, like Jeff just interjected because we're keep up. We know what we're talking about. The but Wilson he said, Pickett version of Hey Jude. Yeah, Wilson yeah, Pickett. Yeah, hey yeah, Jude, yeah, yeah, was, yeah, yeah. You know, to make it clear. Yeah, absolutely. And at the very that, and when you hear Dwayne Allman. Uh, he, you hear him doing guitar things throughout the song, but where he really shines is at the very end. Uh, he does like this kind of crazy shreddy sort of solo with Wilson Pickett just like howling over it and everything. And it's, I mean, it's so good. Um, now, simultaneously, at the time, you have like uh, Eric Clapton like leaves Cream. I think he does the Delaney and Bonnie thing, and then you have like um, where well, Blind Faith, Delaney and Bonnie, and then where you have him start to try to go towards Layla I think that's how I think him and Dwayne Allman that's how maybe not that's how they met but um, yeah no that is um they met because I think Clapton went to an Allman Brothers concert because he went down I think he was in Muscle Shoals because he did he recorded on an Aretha was, Franklin tune I forget what song it was he was recording something and uh they went hey you want to go see uh the Almonds tonight and he was just like who and he who's that and they're like yeah the, the dude that rips on the end of hey Jude and right he was like right, oh right. yeah 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 let's go and uh I mean they got along famously but yeah you know what I mean and because of that uh Hey Jude, because of that song too, that's why the Allman Brothers ended up getting picked up as a band to begin with. Yeah. Because someone was like, Who is that guitar player? Dwayne Allman. Oh, mm. Dwayne Allman? Does he have a band? And then you know yeah. what I mean? That yeah, that yeah, was yeah. the real catalyst for his whole career. And yeah. even with you know, Derek and the Dominoes. And right. and then if we're talking Which was recorded. We're talking unsung sidemen yeah. too. I mean, now everybody knows that he plays on that record, but when that record came out, nobody know knew he was on it. Nobody even knew who that band was. That album kind of flopped, you know. Yeah, yeah. And it was kind of misleading too, because it's like Derek and the Dominant. You don't you know what I mean? It's not an Eric Clapton album. I mean it is, but it's you know, the yeah. title title wise it's misleading, so I'm trying to figure out who the hell's on that. But uh but yeah, Dwayne Allman, man, just pff, amazing guitar player too. In his own right, but um, but yeah, so Clapton. I mean, and then just really think about how many people went in and out of Muscle Shoals. You know what I mean? Like, like that must have been just such a crazy time. I can't to just have you know what I mean to have like 
You're just you're imagine just chilling there, and then one day you see Percy Sledge, Wilson Pickett, and Eric Clapton. <laughs> you just be like, what the fuck? It, like it blow it blow your mind, man. I I enjoy like the regional sound, and even if like we were talking about earlier of like uh, studio musicians in in the UK, like that it, that's a sound of itself too, because that studio um, was much more like clinical. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was like gloves for recording at like EMI and Abbey Road. You know what I mean? Oh, sure. So it's it's more of like that kind of thing where it's very like – because that's where their industry was. It was yeah. very white coat and you know what I mean? And so like I think that that music scene, it was kind of interesting too because you ha- – and then that evolved into just everybody forming their own bands after the Beatles kind of took control over yeah. their recordings, you know? But we were talking about the Beatles earlier with uh, – what's his name? With Billy Preston. Billy Preston, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, if you want to talk, like, even unsung heroes, unsung sidemen, like, the Beatles were that for a lot of people, too, you know? Um, one that a lot of people don't know is, uh, is Fame, uh, John Lennon, you know, that was, uh, Bowie and Lennon at the, uh, record plant, is that what the name of that studio is in New York, the record plant? I'm not sure. The only one that I know of in New York, I think, is Hendrix's, right? Electric Ladyland. But that's the only one that I know. I'm pretty of. sure they were at the record plant, and it was uh, yeah. Bowie and and Lennon, and um, even to Paul McCartney, he would give people songs all the time. You know, Bad Finger, Come and Get It. Yep. yep. Um. So you, that's like the other kind of. You know what I mean? If you're we're talking overseas, kind of. Yeah. Unsung heroes. Yeah. Well, even um, I don't know if he was a Brit, but Bobby Keys. Oh yeah, you know well, what I mean. Like a, you think uh, about Bobby Keys the saxophone, is, all the all the Stone stuff. Oh okay. Yep, yeah. He so uh, yeah, like that's another one. Uh, that one's actually really interesting. Bobby Keys is from Texas. Um, oh, he's not actually. No, there's uh, a great okay, story okay. in Keith Richards' biography. He he's like, uh, I could tell you about the day I met Bobby Keys, but I'm gonna let Bobby Keys tell you about the day I met him. And Bobby Keys writes like a little, maybe like three pages, and he was like, uh. I met them. He had a band, and so they were opening up for the Stones when they came through Texas. And Bobby Keys was like, "Look at these assholes." <laughs> well, he was because because the, look at these assholes. The first song on the uh, English new England's newest hitmakers yeah. is uh, "Not Fade Away," and the Stones rip on that song. You know what I mean? It's that wailing harmonica. They take that Buddy yeah. Holly song and just rip it to shreds. It. The, you know what I mean? And so Bobby Keys is like. Look at this. They're insulting Texas's own Buddy Holly. These guys suck. You know, look at these assholes. And then he heard them play, and he was like, "God damn, they're good." And <laughs> yeah. that's how they—that's how they met. You know no what I mean? Way, huh? yeah. yeah, very. Yeah. It, that's a very interesting story. But yeah, I mean that—that that too is just you know what Music I mean. Music used to be so buttoned up and so so limited. Like imagine being a musician back in the '60s, and a band just plays a slightly more raucous version of a song, and you're like, "Look at these fucking." Right, you and know, it's just like it's not shitting on Buddy Holly's yeah. grave. How dare it, the music died? People were so <laughs> the music just. Well, like let's talk like too about like uh, I mean we're just this is rambling, but like the birds weren't even allowed to play uh, on their first record. Like they sang on it, but they didn't play Mister Tambourine Man. That's all studio musicians. That's the Wrecking Crew. Oh. You know what I mean? And so like you had the. Even the when you got a record contract, they looked at you and like, well, you're not even you can't play on the song. You guys can barely play, and they I mean they, they could play. Yeah, go practice. <laughs> and so like there was that whole. I mean that's why the studio musician really existed mm-hmm. because of the, it was like a uh, what do I want to say like a gatekeeper. You know what I mean? The sure. the, st- the record companies and the studios were playing gatekeeper on who could play on what because you know, but. I mean, obviously, like we said before, the Beatles really 
broke through that barrier, and that's, I think, why a lot of people got to make weird records, you know? Captain Beefheart, that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, I got a good story. If we're speaking to Sidemen, Dr. John is playing Session Man. Dr. John. Right. <laughs> and so we this talks to the button-upness of, the, of it, right too. Place. So Dr. John's doing the... Uh, um, Sonny and Cher session. <laughs> yeah, we don't clear it. So that cool. no, quit no. singing. Um, he's doing um a Sonny and Cher session, and they finish early, right? And so it's Doctor John. I think some of the Wrecking Crew, all those guys, they're kind of chilling there, and uh, they're like, "Oh, we got time." I think maybe somebody didn't show up, but they finished early, and uh, and so Doctor John's like, "I got an idea, but everyone's got to go with it." I'm, I got, we're gonna play some nonsense. I mean, if you've heard the first Doctor John record, it is like it's straight up voodoo music. Like it's <laughs> it's droning. It, it's a lot of it has, has no structure, and so they recorded and banged out like a group of studio musicians. <laughs> like banged out this thing that Dr. John had been like talking about and they had extra time. And so when they finished early, he was just like, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's do this. And that's how that album was born. And hmm. once, I mean, once he finished it, even um, he was like, no one's going to want to listen to this. And the record company's like, yeah, whatever, we'll put it out. I mean, and that, that's what's interesting too is, you know, Dr. John was sideman for so many people before he even yeah. like got his own thing out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Dr. John. Um, while you were talking about saxophone players, I did want to do an honorable mention for saxophone players. Let's hear. Uh, a man by the name of Dick Perry, who Dick Floyd, who was maybe. who was the saxophone player for all the Pink Floyd stuff. Oh, really? He did all this. Yeah, he did. Uh, well, not all of it, right? But he played. I mean, he was he did all the sax work on Dark Side of the Moon. He did all this. Uh, he was the Shine on You Crazy Diamond, um, uh, solo. Uh, he played with John Entwistle. He played with Jimmy Witherspoon. He played with Rory Gallagher. I I have a question too. Does anybody know this at the table? Who sings? Uh, um, is it Welcome to the Machine on that record? On Shine on You Crazy Diamond doesn't have isn't, a cigar. Have a cigar. Yeah, that's have the song. a cigar. Who was it that sang that? Because that would be an unsung hero, my friends. Yeah. His well, name is Roy Harper. I can't remember Roy Harper. The same Roy Harper that Led Zeppelin made a song called Hats Off to Roy Harper. Oh, who is Roy Harper? Who's Roy Harper? I believe, I actually, I was going to say he's a British blues singer, but he may not be British. I'm not quite sure of his story. Michael, get on that Google machine. Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. This is, this is un, these are unresearched You know what, man? Yeah, we're flying off the handle, but... uh. Also unsung hero is that woman that sings on uh, Great Gig in the Sky because, I mean, come on. That makes oh, the yeah. whole song. Yeah. I forget her I don't, name, too. I forget too. her name, too. I don't know. But so no, Roy unsung. Harper, Roy Harper was uh, an English folk rock English, singer. Yeah. Yeah. So. Songwriter and guitar yeah, and guitar player. It's interesting that he played on – or I'm sorry, he sang that tune for Pink Floyd, though. I, it, w- it would be good to, like, look in to see why uh, he was selected to – They didn't uh, – they – um. They both had tried vocals on that, and they were like, eh, let's just have him do it. I think he was in the studio. I think he was in the studio and went, I can sing that. Well, and it makes sense, too, because the song is from a point of view of a slimy person in the music industry trying to con a band into signing a record deal, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So it makes sense to have another person come in and sing it. Right. Yeah, with uh, Harper, it was uh, he, be, uh, he signed on in the early 70s. He signed on. In 1970, I think, uh, with uh, Harvest Records. 
So Harvest Records was also the record label that Pink Floyd was on. Who's the other big Harvest artist? Um, oh, they, uh, I'm not sure. Deep Purple. Yeah, was Deep, Deep Purple. Purple Harvest. Yeah, they yep. were. Interesting. Um, uh, Claire Tory, by the way, is the name of the great gig in the sty in the sky. Great gig in the sty. Great gig in the sky vocalist Claire Tory and Claire Tory with um, two or three other singers also did back in vocals on some of the wall tracks that have you oh, know, yep, female yep, yep. choir type thing in the background. Yeah. I got another interesting one from Pink Floyd too is uh Alan Parsons engineered Dark Side did. of the Moon. Oh, I didn't know that. I who did I didn't know that either. Oh, Look my at this. Goodness. Yeah, yeah, Guys, yeah. this episode is informative. This We're is learning a hub, things. Hub of information this yeah. get in the garage. <laughs> Alan Parsons project. The Alan Parsons project. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well yeah. thanks Alan Parsons. That was cool. Yeah. I mean, and because Dark, Darkseid is arguably one of the greatest albums of all time. Yeah, I, th- I think he engineered on like four or five of their albums. Oh, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. And who was uh, who? Who were the people who were answering the questions on Darkseid? It wasn't it just like random people that were around the suit, like pro- like one of the producers or something one like that. One of them was the like, door. Of, yeah, that guy. Like, that's why I should think, it be? No reason for it. That's uh, the doorman of the studio. I think that worked there. Oh, okay, okay. That's the the doorman. Uh, Paul McCartney is. Um, was interviewed but he it was like too cheeky so they didn't use anything he said oh really um i think linda mccartney might be on the album um i know um i think the one of the guys from wings is definitely answers the question one of the questions i think he uh one of the guys from wings is the i don't know is really drunk at the time uh that guy but um, I just thought it was, it's like the musical equivalent of butt dialing, <laughs> like, but, yeah, you yeah, know, right. all that tape effects nonsense. Like yeah. it's cool; it's part of the songs, but I've never paid much attention to it. Oh, really? I I I really like all the stuff, especially the thing the old man says before Great Gig in the Sky or afterwards. I, yeah. Which one is that one? I think that might be the. I mean, that one's really relevant, but it's the even only one that's profound. Some most of the rest of the stuff. I think I the think. other ones are profound in the, the other way, though. Like when the guy's like, "I was really drunk at the time," like. Almost like the ignorance of like you know what I'm saying, yeah, like of yeah, uh, yeah. of the oh I was in the right you know what I mean of the people not seeing uh, like the other side of the other side of things because before when they say that uh, it's us and them so it, they're making the point that you know what is us and what is them and all oh those people God. are like you know they they can't they they were like oh I was right I not, was I was in the right can I just know? say not only so much information on this podcast but such depth and. And uh, listen, guys, <laughs> now, this I have listened to Dark Side of the Moon. Was yeah, before, so have I so many times. Before or after so you watched times. it synced up to The Wizard of Oz. I've done that, too. <laughs> have you heard I, it I have, down, I've actually done that. It's on YouTube. Have you heard it? Like, yeah, there's it was like a thing. Have you heard know, it my brother showed down? it to me. Have I, I haven't heard it upside down. Oh, man, I'd be interested in hearing that. Inverted, perverted. Inverted. <laughs> have you heard it when you play the wall on top of it? <laughs> the wall and dark side at the same time they sync up man yeah dude you gotta tear down the dark side of the wall dark side <laughs> oh my gosh anyway all right well pink floyd that's fun um, dick pink perry floyd. i wanted to yeah. kind of take this too to um bring it back like a, even like further of like on the maybe one of the first and i mean not the first but a very important one in music history is uh duke ellington and uh billy strayhorn his uh his how would uh arranger and 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 writer oh yeah yeah he was, he was he was his writing partner so you know you have duke ellington who's really um like getting right you know getting all the fame what was he was he vanguard 
Uh, what do you mean? Like, what was his label? What uh, label was I mean, he sound? I mean, obviously he did stuff for everybody, but I feel like the it's everybody. Uh, yeah. it's it's not. I think like some of the... his best sides are uh, RCA Victor, but I mean, it's it's like oh, it's all yeah, over yeah, the yeah. place. Okay, all right. But um, Billy Strayhorn wrote a mo like with Duke Ellington and without Duke Ellington, he wrote most of you know the music that you hear and know and love that yeah. Duke Ellington played. Um, and they were like some of the strongest friends that like ever existed. And it, that was just like one because I couldn't really I mean, I read Duke Ellington's autobiography and I was like, OK, so it's going to be like him being like, I did this, I did that. But it it wasn't at all. <laughs> music was my mistress. <laughs> it was, man. Music. Music is my mistress. Sorry, that's that's the name of it. it. Cracked the cover it. of the book. Yeah, man. Actually, if you there's that episode of Big Mouth, the Nick Kroll show on Netflix. And it's all, I mean, the, the ghost of Duke Ellington is in there. But literally, <laughs> there's an episode that he tells his life story, and it is word for word yeah. out of that book. It is, they didn't, like. They didn't change anything. No, like, no some of it is, is exactly. like complete sentences. It's just done in a funny voice. It's hilarious. But yeah. that whole book was, like, really eye-opening for me because he uh, highlighted almost every musician he had ever played with in detail like uh gave them a whole page this is yeah. everything i know about them yeah. like chocolate cake uh you know played on this uh, i met him here and he was always really nice to this lady you know played what i mean me for 30 years you yeah get, you get one page <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you know what now that you're saying it too I, i'm thinking i was thinking to myself you're talking about like duke ellington and he gave that and... i mean he talked about billy strayhorn in in ways that like i had not you know i was like wow that must have been such a yeah. musical i can't imagine the bond you know but if we're talking yeah if we're, if we're talking about i hope you hear me when what like wh while i make this comparison but like yeah. you say you say duke ellington and then i also think if we're talking early i mean like willie dixon and like chess records oh yeah and like because he i mean if you think like he was the bass player like if you dude if you look at the back i think even the zeppelin the first zeppelin album the majority of those songs are willie dixon songs yeah like, willie dixon he wrote was the guy he wrote all of like the blues standards hmm. The uh, you know, and he was got on me, a couple of albums, but there's I a mean, great um chess compilation of Willie Dixon uh written songs. Um, you know, I it, I mean, it's like and list the list, yeah. He wrote like so many songs. And what's interesting about chess records that I found too was um, like to 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 see the evolution of it in a way of like if you listen to early chess stuff, uh, like the early, I think I'm pretty sure like the early BB King. Uh, like I think Muddy Waters after he came up from Mississippi and started recording with Chess, Howlin' Wolf, like all those guys, to hear the early band and then to hear the evolution of it to where y y it eventually... Oh, nice. Luke just grabbed the Willie Dixon like uh, record compilation. But um, but what I was saying was uh, like how to... It's interesting to hear like the early Chess stuff and then to go on to hear like electric mud where it's kind of like oh, okay so now there's like some like psyche kind of funk introduced uh in like the muddy waters sound you know what i mean just for like some of the songs willie dixon wrote evil spoonful uh ain't superstitious little red rooster backdoor man hoochie coochie man uh can't judge a book by its cover wang dang doodle seventh son like i mean that's almost like the entire blues catalog one dude <laughs> It's pretty amazing. Oh my god! Okay, so everybody, everybody, at this table, um, 
but loves that. Uh, Wait. Hate. Oh, yeah. Hold on a second. Hold love, on. Pump, no, l- pump, let me finish. Let me finish. The brakes. Pump the brakes. Loves to hate on me because I have uh, oh, yes, a okay. love, a love, a deep love for uh, the musician Mose Allison. Uh, and he get out of here, Mose. Uh, he does. Everything's th- kind of talking on key. <laughs> Every other song. Like it's just it's lazy. Oh, it's, it's lazy. not. It's not. It's not. No, it's not. It's not. I'm, I'm just hating to be funny. The but. story of Mose Allison is is really interesting, though. <laughs> Super interesting. Is it? Yeah, man. Well, let's hear it. Let's talk about Mose. Uh, oh, well, we were talking about you wouldn't have like the Who if you didn't have Mose Allison. Really? Yeah, man. Like Young Man Blues is that was like oh yeah yeah. Pete yeah. Townsend took that and ran like that. Young Man Blues is just my generation done uh, you know done straight. Yeah. You know, uh, I would say like Mose Allison w- was more famous in the UK than he ever was in America. Was he Amer- was he American? Yeah. Oh, okay. He's from the he's from the south and he was just, Yeah, I was going to say from the He south. was always he's too hillbilly for the jazz guys and too jazz for the hillbillies. So It sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like right it, that's where it lives. That's it, correct. It lives in the middle of that. And um I mean, he does a song called Parchment Farm though, and that was like that was one of the major influences to kick off the blues boom in the UK. Sitting over here on Parchment Farm. Right. Because, I mean, how many bands went on to Sitting cover that song? Everybody Parchment did Farm. Parchment Farm. Blue Cheer did Parchment Farm. The Who did Parchment Farm. Even to the... Cactus did a Parchment Farm. And, like, as weird as... Because when we're talking about Mose Allison, most people are like, oh, jazz. Okay, right? But yeah. uh, Jazz and blues jazz, really. But, um... <laughs> you like that one? <laughs> uh, I thought, I, hold on. I think it's more jazz blues. <laughs> see what I did there. Uh, <laughs> 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 but, like... He to the parchment farm, you know the piano. Yeah, you know the piano riff is all northern soul, and so then you that like you know what I mean. That's what that it yeah. vibes on that too. It's got a lot of R and B in it. It it's very interesting to like how it affected uh, the yeah. UK mods and like almost did not affect America at yeah, all because yeah. uh, parchment farm almost all the UK bands do it before the US bands do it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's like the the more, you know? Yeah. Um, I would like to take us to the West Coast quickly, though. And I mean, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the Wrecking Crew, because that's one of the that's one of those like studio bands. That's just like I mean, they played on all the Beach Boy stuff. I yeah. mean, well, we did touch to them a little bit in the very beginning because we talked about how they were on uh, California Dreaming, But like talk to like everything else that they were on, because I mean, they were on Sonny and Cher, a lot. the Turtles, uh, the Birds. The Beach Boys, um, uh, almost anybody that had like oh the, the like I mean, any West Coast the Archies sugar sugar oh, right, yeah. you are my right. candy girl you know behind all the fake yeah. bands uh like all Hollywood, that Hollywood bands yeah yeah Los Angeles bands. right 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 yeah and that's where that L- that slick L A sound too that you get around like Rumors Asia uh still crazy like those yeah. those slick ass records that that's all born from that studio perfection yeah. in in the 60s you know what i mean yeah. it's uh it's that's that vibe right um there's also a lot of like how many of those like tr- i mean cuz we're record pickers how many of those trash records that you pick up and you're like nobody on this cover played on this album <laughs> like you, oh yeah <laughs> it's, like, it's people awkwardly standing with guitars in their hands yeah yeah like you're usually like, upside down what do you <laughs> <laughs> yeah those are usually like you're like oh yep 
uh, session, man. And the yeah. band's called like the Corduroys. Or, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, They're I got Let me just off the top of my head, I got Book some for upstairs. Uh, the American Breed. Uh, <laughs> oh, I yeah. got um, New Colony Six. That's one of those bands I always see. Yeah. Uh, you know, were they on the Monkey stuff? Um, oh yeah, the, yep, yep. That's Wrecking Crew. They, yeah, Monkey stuff. And um, the other one too is like, um, like if we're talking like bands that didn't even exist, it's uh, um, the Lemon Pipers, uh, the Ohio Express. Um, Wait, the Ohio Express is not real. Yeah, uh, yummy, yummy, yummy. I got love in my tongue. <laughs> all these bubblegum pop yeah. singles. Yes. Yeah, all yeah. the Buddha bubblegum pop bands. Those mm-hmm. never existed. Uh, the 1910 Fruit Gum Company. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, wait, the what? The, you've never heard of the 1910 Fruit Gum Company? No, they, I have uh, not. This is the first. They, you, Jeff, have you heard of them? I think that weren't they inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame last year? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. They sing Indian Giver. <laughs> well, that yes, real, that right. song they, that they aged well. Song, yes, twenty twenty. Yeah. <laughs> that song that aged well. Yeah. Um, but Ugh. those are actually on the Ohio Express's first album. There's a they they this this is how shady the record industry is. There's a um a song from Joe Walsh's first band, his yeah, first Garage man. band. On that record, like they, that record company owned the rights to it, and they were just like, "Well, let's just throw those on there." And so that's on like the B side of that record. Really? Yeah, very interesting stuff. Um, yeah, Ohio Express was definitely fake, and like all those bands, especially Ohio Express, that's the fakest one. <laughs> that's the fakest. So one. these are bands that are basically like they have two to five, sixteen-year-olds sing, and then it's like fifteen, forty-five-year-old people playing all the instruments the yeah no it's yeah. exactly it even like you let's take two um alex chilton in the box tops that yeah. wasn't a band that was a studio band and they got alex chilton who was like 16 years old to sing on it and then they formed yeah. the band around the single that's the the letter yeah by the box tops yes. oh yeah 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 forming the band around the single was very uh Fa- also letter famously redone by joe joe crocker there you go. And this is Joe, Alex, wait, Joe Crocker. This, this is Alex wait, Chilton who, who Joe went Crocker. on. Crocker. Wow, said, Crocker. Said, Joe Crockpot. Joe Crockpot. Hey, Joey Crockpots. Um, other if we oh, I I just thought of another one. Um, Leon Russell to oh yeah to Mad Dogs and Englishman. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All over the place on that. Yeah, and I love Leon Russell too. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of his solo work, but you know. I oh, like I him. am. Are Up you on the tightrope? He's like. Uh, yeah, if, this, if the scale is from Dr. John to Elton John, he's right in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Leon Russell. Oh, uh, I mean, if you say Elton John, I mean, Unsung Heroes, uh, what's his name, who wrote all <laughs> yes, the songs? Exactly. <laughs> Ber- Bernie Toppin. Yeah, yes. Bernie Toppin. What's yeah. his name? What's yeah. his name? <laughs> you know? We're talking about Unsung Heroes here. What's his name? Yeah, what's his name? <laughs> Actually, we've been doing that all... all... Who's that guy? <laughs> Bernie. Bernie Toppin. Bernie Toppin. Yeah, he... You know, it's it's one of those things where people hear Elton John songs and most people, you know, 30 years old and older know at least 10 to 20 Elton John songs. Yeah. And Elton John, as far as I know, never wrote any lyrics no. ever. He wrote all the music, but he never wrote a word of anything he sang. Yeah. And so these great songs that people know, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, Your Song, Tiny Dancer, Crocodile Rock, Crocodile Rock, of course. <laughs> these, yeah. 
Elton John came up with the arrangements and the and the parts, but all those words, that's all Bernie Taupin. Yeah. I mean, to, to obviously to Elton John's credit, I mean, an incredible musician in his own right as well of to course. be able to take those lyrics and put them to song. But yeah, the the, right. the lyrical content itself is not no Elton John there. Mm. Um but anyway, I wanted to like kind of like loop back around, but I was I think you were looking something up when I was talking to you about it. But like even like the ch- the evolution of like Chess Records uh and like when you hear the early stuff with willie dixon and like howlin wolf and then like how it kind of evolved into the style band that you get on like electric mud which is way more like funky and kind of psychedelic and you know what i mean do you know what i'm saying no yeah you know like the difference between electric mud yeah and like the early stuff where it's just yeah what i'm saying is like it's i don't do you know anything about that like in in terms of why it went funky like that or i mean it like, just went funky for that one record that was really it it's that was like, it. i thought it was it wasn't i thought there was a howlin' wolf one that was well there's also a howlin' wolf and the muddy waters record there's electric mud and then there's uh howlin' wolf doesn't like his uh howlin' wolf didn't like his or uh, doesn't like this album he didn't like his electric guitar for, at first either yeah um, right, right, right. Oh, you just want me to like talk about what why those albums came out? Because like, oh, I, I could I, do that. I think I could tell you why. Yeah, no, I know why. It was a fifty-year-old blues legend who needed to pay his rent, and they said, "Well, put some more heavier stuff on it, and the kids will buy it." And all the young guitar players are talking about you anyway, and that's yeah, kind of what he did. Yeah, because he probably, I mean, he probably hated that sound. Oh yeah. Well, it's, we, it's like we've said it before. It was interesting how like I can't the, tell you the name of the backing band on that record, but if you look it up, it is very uh interesting yeah what's weird uh we've talked about it on the podcast before but like how when muddy waters first went to the uk he went with an electric band and they were all actually like really upset about the fact that he brought an electric band they wanted like the acoustic delta like folk blues that he was known for playing initially muddy Muddy waters liked his record way more than uh howlin wolf Wolf. yeah you know because uh i I think howlin wolf was just stubborn and he just wanted to do it you know yeah, I mean, Howlin' Wolf is just old school, but uh, Muddy Waters does a banging cover of uh, Let's Spend the Night Together on that record. Yeah. Electric Mud. Oh, it's so good. And, like, you really can't hear what Mick Jagger's kind of saying in that song, but Muddy Waters, like, kind of parses it out. Uh, there's a great line in that song, uh, my mouth is dry, or I'm getting tired. My It's like, my mouth is dry, and he's like, I'm high. And he, like, screams <laughs> yeah. it. It's it's really funny. Yeah, yeah. I uh, encourage everyone to look that song up. And it's, you know, it's pretty kicking. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, man. Right on. Well, I think that about covers it For in terms of, like, I'm trying to think of, like, iconic sound, you know, iconic sounds that we have that we could talk about, too. Like, the Motown, the Muscle Shoals, the, you know, we went to yeah. the Brits. I mean, what was, I mean, New York. What did New York really have? I mean... New York? The Brill Building. Yeah, well, yeah, the Brill Building. That was, like, what that was. So that was all of the, what would that have been, early 60s? Yeah. Kind the, of bubblegum, poppy, yeah. R&B type of songs. Carol, Carol King, really. Carol King is. was a staff song. Oh, she was okay. She like, 16 years old. Uh, Carol King was there. Mm-hmm. Jerry, Jerry Goffin, who was her husband, who was her lyricist. So, yeah. Um, James Taylor? Nope, that's not really Brill Building. California. Brill Building is more, um, it was a songwriting factory. So you'd go in, this is what this is, you'd go in, you had a room, and you wrote songs for all day, right? And so, um, like, that was, Carole King is the most famous one that did that, but um, Lou Reed did that, I believe. I think Paul Simon did too. Oh yep. yeah, yeah. And so you'd go in and you, you would just try to record hit songs. Like and these songs would be recorded by bands like the Shangri Las or um 
you know, uh, was Chad and Jeremy need a song or you know what I mean? <laughs> I know or we're like jumping, Chad and Jeremy. I know we're jumping forward a little bit. Like I think Bruce, well, Bruce Springsteen was he in New York? Um, I mean, I know he was Jersey, but no, like, I don't see, know if he he's not Brill Building. Like you're talking like New York, like sound and songwriting. It's more of like, um, uh. You know, uh, what is that D.D. Sharp song that I cannot think oh, of the name yeah. of? Um, it's that kind of stuff. It's it's how Little Eva was, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, Carol King's ba- uh, babysitter. It's like that kind of stuff. Gotcha. You know what I right, mean? Right. Uh, Shadow Morton producing um, the Shangri-Las. That would be like the New York sound. Um, the Vagrants um, oh, yeah. out of Long Island with Leslie West. Um, and again, that's all Brill Building stuff because they would be given – I mean, that, that were like a Moroccan thing, but they would be given songs. So that's like you go in and you just – you try to to bang out just a play hit. one of their songs. Yeah, so like – oh, uh, the, the Four Seasons maybe? Is that is – that... Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's like more Brill Building-ish. Um, hmm. That's like you – yeah, if you come in like that, like you're a band on VJ Records or you're on Jubilee, um, you know – um, like that kind of stuff. Like okay. the you ever see those like really shitty record? Like it's a lot of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a lot of hits that came through. It's like uh, how much is that doggy in the window kind of garbage? You yeah. know what I mean? It's like it's trying to write a hit. Um, <laughs> it's it's like um, all that garbage. Well, it's garbage. I mean, yeah. a lot of it is straight up garbage. Um, uh, but there's a lot of good stuff that came out of it. Um, yeah. you know, the locomotion, right? All the Carol King songs that are great. Uh, yeah. But I mean. That's why we know her. Uh, like, and all the people that were like really worth their salt that worked there had something after that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, again, it's like the more clinical version of it. Like, that's why Bob Dylan too. That's why all his stuff that it's not Brill Building, but it's that same theory, right? Albert Grossman, his manager, realized that songwriting was where it was at. Yeah. So he'd be like, okay, Bob, you can't sing worth a shit, but we're gonna give this to um, Peter Paul and Mary, uh, also managed by Grossman. See how we did that, and then uh, (laughs) yeah, all that stuff like it went down and down the line and down the line. You know, Albert Grossman is one of the uh, that uh, also we're talking Sidemen, Bearsville Records, Todd Rundgren, uh, Bob Dylan, Peter Paul and Mary, um, tons of people. He managed every. He was ruthless too. Was he? Oh my god, yeah, yeah, nasty dude. That might be a whole episode. Just doing on it, yeah. Yeah, that'd be an interesting episode to do. Yeah, an episode yeah, yeah. on Albert Grossman. That terrible people who managed music careers. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a fun one. <laughs> yeah, we It'd could do a that lot one. Of time. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. But so we could tell, yeah, like Beach, Beach, Boys, Beach Boys, Michael Dad. Jackson. What was his? Uh, what was the, the Ike Zeppelin? Turner? What was the Zeppelin one? What was his name? Zeppelin's manager. Oh, uh, I don't know his name. Oh, come on. Is it Peter? Uh, yeah. Peter Is it Peter something. Buck? No, that's no. the guy from REM, right? I think Joe Buck. Led. <laughs> Oh, here's no, the Google machine. This is Sunday night. Uh, yeah, exactly. Thank you, Jeff, for getting that. <laughs> How about... Uh... Oh, Peter Grant. Peter I Grant. I wasn't that's that far was. off. Yeah, man, that dude, crazy. If you watch, what is it? The song remains the same. Dude. Uh, he, they do interviews with him. Yeah, that dude, oh my gosh. He just looks, he looks like a music executive. It looks like a cartoon of a man. It looks like he ate his artists. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what that's yeah, that's what he would do at the end. He'd be like, "Well, your contract's up." Um, <laughs> but dude, job of the hut, job of the job of the butt. Uh, it's um, yeah, he dude, it's crazy. Like his interviews, you can just see how he just has this like nasty. 
He's got a streak of mean. Oh, uh, to, to quote Jim Croce. <laughs> Colonel Tom Parker. Elvis. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 He was another one, right? Where it was like he had gotten he had had some trouble with the law. Oh, yeah. So boy. that's why he never let Elvis out of the country. Only once, I think he went to, I think, Germany, maybe when he was like filming a f- movie or England army. He was a filming. Yeah. 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 That's why he joined the army. Yeah. I mean, really. But yeah, that guy, he wouldn't let Elvis go anywhere. That's why El- mm-hmm. that's why he real Elvis only really toured in the United States. That's why he died in the toilet. Ugh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. W- wise man say. <laughs> so look, what have you been listening to lately, man? What have I been listening to? Segway. Yeah, it's a good segue. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's a drop. That's a, uh-huh. that's a drop has to make it there. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> what was the idea we had? Oh, for a Halloween Elvis band? Helvis. Oh, yes. <laughs> Dress up like Jack Skellington. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> All right. Oh, my God. Um, okay, so the number one thing I've been listening to is uh, Asia by Steely Dan. Uh, I think that now that, you one know. Of my ten, one of my ten favorite albums of all time. Mm-hmm. One of the albums that's very much love that i haven't really listened to very much <laughs> so uh you know like me and the rest of the world i can't stop thinking about that tiktok of that guy with the cranberry juice and the fleetwood oh, mac song uh so i've been drinking cranberry juice because it's delicious <laughs> uh, ocean spray baby and luke is sitting here in a gray sweatshirt with his head shaved <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know it um and so I uh, I put on rumors because I wanted to listen to it. Uh, and I remembered I was like, oh yeah, I hate the last two songs on this record. And then, yep. but uh, anyway, Gold besides, Dust Woman and Oh Daddy. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, oh. <laughs> dude, be- my favorite song on that album. Yeah, you make love and fun. Oh yeah, it's my favorite too. It's the Christine McVie too. Heavy <laughs> keyboard. Oh, I love it, man. It's just like funky and just wow. I'm definitely a uh, Christine McVie. But I hate Oh Daddy. I hate that song. Yeah. We saw them play live, and they finished with. Um, oh, I think it might. I think they finished with Oh Daddy. Or is there one with a bird in the title? Songbird. Songbird. Songbird thank Same you. Same album. Yeah. She oh yeah, yeah. That's yeah. like my. That's like the best song in that record. Yeah, yeah. Me, they really. close. Other they, than when I when we saw them live, that's what they they ended with. Great song. Also, they opened with the chain, and oh, cool. and the the bass part. Yeah. His like something happened with the connection. <laughs> And it literally went out right at that part. <laughs> so it's just like, <laughs> and you know what I mean? Like everything else was playing, but oh you couldn't hear it. And you see John McVean, he's like, <laughs> and he's like, oh, oh, he's when like the fiddling. band kicks in, kicks in. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Like when the, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like he couldn't, yeah, you that, that, that iconic bass part to that song was not heard yeah. by anyone. I love Lindsey Buckingham album. still has it though. Yeah. That's a top 10 album for me too, Rumors. Yeah. So the the Definitely. slickness of it made me go. I mean, I have Steely Dan's Asia. I've never listened to it. I've never really been a Steely Dan guy. Um, it's just it, you know, obviously I was too cool. So, uh, but I was like, I know that record is one of the slickest records that's ever been recorded. Like I've been told. So I mean, I put it on, and then as soon as I put it on, I was like, I love every song that played. I was like, oh, this is better than the last one. Oh, this is better than the last one. Yeah. Until I got to the last two. But um. <laughs> It's, yes, I'd say with Fleetwood Mac. Home at last is. Oh no! It's a, I got the I got the news and Josie and then Josie. I like Josie, but I, like I got Josie the news too. is my least favorite on that. I like I I um, but th- I'll say this: those two songs for me are way more palatable than the last two songs on Rumors. Mm. But um, yeah, I got so into it. Uh, mm. I mean, I love 
every song in there. Asia, like that crazy, we were talking earlier, that crazy drum break in the middle of it. It's got these amazing complicated fills, like like when it's like, you know, oh, it's amazing. Mm. It's some of the coolest stuff I've ever heard. And like uh, Jeff yeah. was saying too, the sax solos on it. Um, and who you're saying played the sax on? Um... Uh, Wayne Shorter does the sax solo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is cool. Unsung Sidemen again, you know what I mean? But that blew my mind. I was yeah. like, I didn't know that. That's so cool, you know? Yeah, I have to listen to it. I, I don't know it. why I have I mean, I mean, you you either love poppy jazz fusion or you don't. Yeah, it's, but I generally do, yeah. though. It's on my it's on my uh, my likes yeah. list, like that style. And Donald you know? Fagan, like, you know, the, the lead vocals, it's that it's, you know, it's nasally. It's a little droll. It's a little kind of winking and ironic and almost silly slash straight like yeah. it seems I can't, very silly yeah. but it's done very straight every all the yeah it's it's sung very straight but all the lyrics feel like a really intimate inside joke, joke yeah right yeah. with yeah. like because like even in a uh, peg like he's like it's your favorite foreign movie i'm like what are you talking about <laughs> like <laughs> you know but that's why i, I like that because it, it for me when i listen to it it kind of let me paste whatever i wanted to on it and but it still had like you know i mean it wasn't so ambiguous you know what i mean it's like in the middle of that and it's it kind of let me let be like oh, okay like this is how i feel about it and i don't really give a a crap what you know it yeah. really is about it, you if, know if you are if you have a system a hi-fi system real speakers real mixer if you're doing the whole audiophile thing at, at home there's two albums you need to put on to calibrate your stuff that is Back in Black by ACDC and Asia by Steely Dan. Because you got to test the power and the cleanness and the pump with the ACDC. And then you got to test the clarity and the dynamics and the like, just the levels of the mix. Because Steely Dan stuff is so orchestrated. It's so arranged to death. But it's so, it sounds like songs that guys worked on for a straight year, but it's played like it's live in the studio. Like it's that's how well it's done. Ooh, that was so well said. Yeah, because that's the exact I vibe of it. Album. Is is it sounds like it's played live, but at the same time, it sounds like it was so meticulously. Yes. Uh, there's not a there's not a, a wrong sour note on it. There's not a bleed. There's no like bleed on anything on it. Like we we're talking Motown earlier. It's so like, like you know, yeah. everything yeah. just it's and it's th clean. that dude. Talk about unsung heroes. There's two guys. Uh, I can't remember the one guy, but the producer who took over Elton John's albums, like on, uh, is it called Honky Tonk Chateau? Yeah. I think yeah. that's his like third or fourth album. That guy then produced Elton John's like next six albums, and it all has this great sound. The guy who did Steely Dan's albums, he did every single Steely Dan album up through um, Gaucho in 1980, Gary Katz. Gary Katz, unsung, the most unsung, unknown, untalked about producer ever because the Steely Dan stuff just sounds so, like Luke said, meticulously combed over and just, it's audiophile's dream. You, But again, you either love the poppy jazz fusion stylings of yeah, the yeah. Dan or you kind of want, Dan. you might want to like throw up, you know. Old it's Steely. everybody's thing. Yeah. I enjoy it. Even like, uh, I mean, I was more of a fan of their first record only because I really knew the singles. Right, um, yeah. You know, Do It Again and uh, Reeling in the Years. Not so much a Reeling in the Years guy, but definitely mm -hmm. a um, uh, Do It Again guy. Jimmy Page's favorite guitar solo. 
Really? Really? Dude, oh, really? Really? I mean, I like it. To me, uh, Reeling in the Year yeah. sounds like proto Thin Lizzy. Yeah, it's it's like yeah. it's like yeah, yeah, telly yeah. with tons of compression on it or something. Kind of sloppy, harmonized. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's that a record's not even. At, I mean, that's not, not even on the level of slick that Asia is. I mean, it's not even close. Right. But I mean. You know, cool to see the band expand yeah. from that. I mean, I had listened to the first record and nothing else, and then I put that on. And, I mean, I knew Peg once I'd heard that song, but that was probably the only song on there I recognized. But You know what I Deacon mean? Deacon Blues. Oh, such a great song. Because that might be – I mean, yeah, Do It Again and Ricky Don't Lose That Number are bigger songs, but that's a pretty big song. Deacon Blues, too, was like one of those songs – where the lyrics were so I'm like what I was like I don't know what this is about so but I feel like I know what it's about yeah. you know what I mean it, it feels like uh, it feels like depression <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> it is and it's just like that kind of um, I'm like this feels like depression but then you know what I mean because it's got that line in it about uh, drink scotch whis- whiskey and uh, oh, die behind man. the wheel <laughs> you know but at the same time, it's got like this kick and like sax solo. It's yeah. like, I don't know, you know, it's like. I want to learn the saxophone. I want to play how I feel. Yeah. Drink scotch with just all night long and die behind the wheel. <laughs> 1977, baby. Yeah. Well, speaking of 1977. But can I, can I say something really fast too to that record that I've been listening to um, is like, okay, uh, I want to play the saxophone, right? And, and instead of saying, um, you know, are you playing music? This guy? We can't afford, oh, can't no. afford this. Can't afford this. No, 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 no. Okay, no, sorry. Can't afford this. I don't. It was an accident. I accidentally <laughs> I'm just joking. Michael oh. Jackson. <laughs> His estate is extremely litigious. <laughs> it's Prince, no. Um, but, um, you know, it, when he says, like, the saxophone, uh, play whatever I feel, instead of want, because the next line is uh, that rhymes is feel and wheel. And I don't remember. I pointed out another one to you earlier, but just the way of the way that that lyric was, yeah. the lyrics on that record are written. It'll be like he's about to say a cliche, but the last word is different uh, <laughs> as a as a synonym for you know what the the end end word is in the cliche, and then he'll rhyme it creatively. And I was like, God, that's such a brilliant idea! Like taking a cliche, changing the last thing yeah. to a synonym, and then making it rhyme. It's, yeah. Catch, it's that, it's it that. catches me out of left field every right. time and then makes me focus on what he's saying and then it just kind of gets more ambiguous but I I, that, I really enjoyed that aspect of the record yeah it's that steely damn clever stupid line you know yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's You're, a fine line between and, and again <laughs> it, and again stupid. it's that fine line but it's that it's that um is this an inside joke yeah. that I don't get or it and it's because it's sung so earnest I love it Steely Dan. Uh, Steely all Dan. You, all you... I love Steely Dan. I listen to I listen to two hours of Steely Dan every week. Minimum. Oh, oh my minimum. gosh. Wow. I listen to a lot of Steely Dan. I, I'm, I'm up on that level this week. <laughs> well, I was going to say, speaking of 1977, uh, Jeff made a musical recommendation of a band called Slave. Oh, yeah, That man. I'm really enjoying this week. Tell us, guys. Um... Jeff, would you like to would you like Slave. to describe the album cover for us? Oh, of course. So on my Discover Weekly Spotify playlist, the algorithm pretty much only gives me like crazy jazz fusion because I listen to so much Steely Dan, <laughs> or like weird grimy psychedelic disco because I listen to so much Parliament Funkadelic recently. So this this song comes on. 
It starts with a vibra slap. The <laughs> and but then it happens again, and it happens again. It has a vibra slap hit on every measure for five straight minutes in the song. <laughs> it is a funk disco just groove called Slide. Called sorry, called Son of Slide. There is a cut called Slide by Slave. <laughs> the album cover is black. It has a half naked muscle bound man at the bottom. He's small. He's he's tiny on the cover. And he like Atlas holding the globe, he's holding a giant silver disco ball. <laughs> and it looks like the, I think this is a real photograph taken in some, <laughs> yeah, in, in some millionaire's loft <laughs> after at four AM after a all night raver at a at a disco. The song and the whole album is like just groove, dirty funk for three minutes and then just like fusiony kind of like liquid fingers guitar solo yeah. at the end and it is it's so good it's it's great it's amazing slide or son of slide by slave vibra slap for five straight minutes enjoy uh, i uh have not listened to this record yet they told me about it i was told about it yesterday but the cover uh that i saw is uh i said that looks like the opposite of ohio players like <laughs> <laughs> it's like a greasy man on the cover yeah. instead of I, awesome. I liked all the songs though i mean like so there's sl- slides the opening track but then um uh screw your wig on tight party hardy son of slide you and me love me the happiest days and separated and then on this version there's the single version of the song slide but i i didn't find that this album really disappointed i i found wow. i could listen to it front to back and i was like yeah every song all right and, cool and it reminds me of who did you say um the the female singer who did that kind of freaky, funky music? Oh, Betty Davis. Right, it's very much like Betty Davis. Because you were like, it's like freak funk, and yeah. it's like hypersexualized. I was like, oh, Betty Davis kind of thing. Right, and, and like 1978, like lyrics where you're going, oh, this was definitely like grimy and crossing lines, yeah. lyric wise too. I met like the first time I put on a Betty so Davis fun. record, I was like, oh my god, <laughs> like you know, yeah. Or it's like the first time I I saw uh, Tina Turner in Gimme Shelter. And I was like, I did not realize this was happening at that time. Like, right, right. Like, jeez, man. Yeah. You know, but uh, that. I mean, for me, that's really all I've been rocking. Oh, great! <laughs> the least straight of slave. <laughs> yeah. I mean, pretty, pretty much. Like, I mean, uh, you know, people who listen to this know that I'm, I'm, I'm. When it comes to like playing stuff in the background, I'm, I'm mainly a podcast listener. But, uh, but yeah, that, and I've been doing a lot of like. Uh, I've been doing a lot of uh, like playlists that are all like uh, cafe lounge, chill out lounge, and house, uh, soft house stuff like that. Oh. Uh, I find that I really enjoy because I get out of work at midnight. I really enjoy when I drive on my drive home to kind of unwind from the day. I like to uh, turn the dash lights really low and put on some cafe lounge and just kind of like. Listen to John Hopkins. John Hopkins, okay. John Hopkins, especially that he has this album called uh, Singularity, which is kind of it's like house music and chill music, kind of. Okay. I don't know. It's hard to describe, but it's great background music. It's great driving music. It's great studying, doing computer work type music. Okay. Cur- currently, I am trying to also make a playlist. I I didn't really. I worked on it for like you know maybe ten minutes last night, but um. Uh, instrumental version of uh, Rubber Soul by all different artists. I got Herbie Hancock oh. doing uh, Norwegian Wood. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. I got, so, uh, you know, I'm kind of like trying to do that. and I wanted to play that and see how that felt. And like, Oh, interesting. Because I was like, oh, so many people do Beatles songs. Well, I I'll tell you, you right re- now. I bet you I could reconstruct Beatles song, uh, Beatles albums yeah. and make them like all instrumental. Like this one's Herbie Hancock. This one's someone from Brazil. Yeah, you know, I was going to say, there's definitely no shortage of bands featured on PBS that probably covered Beatles songs. Mm. Like classical violin players and Gary, like Gary Burton, the jazz vibraphonist, has a great version of Norwegian Wood. Thank you. Came out in like '68. He was like 20 or something. Also, so yeah, yeah. If we're talking, uh, if anybody you know on Instagram or wherever wants to message us uh, or message me, I'm at Julie's Records. So we can get uh, get in the Garage podcast. Um, I'm also making a playlist of soul covers of of songs that were not originally soul songs. So mm. uh, I have Muddy Waters doing Let's Spend the Night Together. I have Ike and Tina doing Proud Mary, uh, Light My Fire, uh, Al Green doing that, stuff like that. Oh, do you um, have... Um, by the uh, time I get to Phoenix uh, by... Um, oh, Glenn Campbell, but the Isaac Hayes version. Yeah. yeah uh, do you have the Charles Bradley yep, doing changes? That's on there. Um, uh, I have Sabbath one, yeah. Summertime. Uh, I have Ohio players doing Summertime. Oh, um, check out Billy Stewart's version of Summertime. Oh, yes. Amazing. <laughs> I love that version. Oh, what was that? Oh, hold on. It's, it's in talking. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yes. when Brad Pitt starts driving. Yes. That's the song. Amazing. I also have uh, Baby Huey and the uh, Babysitters doing uh, California Dreamin', the instrumental oh. version with like the crazy uh, uh, jazz flute solo. Oh, oh um, cool. if you want a cool one, uh, the Isley Brothers do Fire and Rain. I, that's already on there, bro. Oh, okay. Yeah. I got, they also do Ohio uh, uh, and Machine Gun together yeah. as one at the beginning of the the, the uh, Giving It Back album, 1971. Right, and that, they, that's, that's all, all covers. That's all covers. Love the one you're with. Their, yes. Their version of that is on there. Um, yeah. I also have Clarence Carter doing uh, Harper oh, Valley PTA, Oh. which is mm. pretty cool. They also do Lay Lady Lay. Yes, I saw that. Yeah. Oh, speaking of Bob, I got uh, Billy Preston doing uh, "She Belongs to Me." Uh, she got everything she needs. I want to uh, hear. I want to hear Bob Dylan's version of of a Billy Preston song. <laughs> <laughs> we look around in circles. We look around in circles. <laughs> nothing from nothing means nothing. <laughs> oh, that would be the first one. That's the one that starts <laughs> with the carnival. <laughs> Nothing from nothing. Oh, I've been listening to this band. Check them out. They're called Timber Tambor. <clears throat> Timber Tambor. Timber Tambor. Um, they're a, a band, I think, from Toronto slash Montreal, Quebec area in Canada. Quebec. They are very, they remind me a lot of uh, Dark Side of the Moon era Pink Floyd, where it's spacey and it's soulful and it's moody but not in that in like a dark mood it's kind of like a ambiguous mood um mm-hmm. timber timbre especially start with this song hot dreams features a saxophone very much like dick perry in the pink floyd stuff timber timbre great great stuff baritone singing which is interesting it kind of sounds like a combination of the national and pink floyd timber timbre okay timber timbre yeah, that. a great, great. I love the band name too. <laughs> yeah, that's a good band name. Uh, yeah, Hot Dreams. Yes. Yeah, I got that on my Spotify. All right, nice Spotify. Jeff May, thank you so much for coming onto our podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. It's fun. It was nice to have you, man. We'll have you back <laughs> probably next week. 
<laughs> if you if you want to hang out. Yeah, if, if you're gonna be here next week, we're doing it. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Monday's our designated day now. If we can do it anyway to get together and play music and then record our podcast. So yeah, obviously, thinking. anytime you're here, Jeffrey, you are always welcome on the cast. Awesome, the cast on the cast, man. You can follow Luke at Julius Records, Julius underscore Records, right? Thank you. Uh, I am E underscore M underscore T underscore one. Yeah, can you like change that? I feel like it's just weird if I change it though. Nope. 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 Be fine. All right. Well, I'll change that at some point, and then I'll advertise that. Change it to some some later point. Jim Morrison reference. Yes. Yeah. The bearded Morrison. In, That's uh, that was Mike's old name. It yeah, was my a great old name. Instagram name. How about Indian scattered? <laughs> Indian <laughs> scattered Indian on scattered. Tans Highway. Eggshell. Uh, egg how about fragile? Egg, fragile eggshell egg mind. mind. <laughs> At fragile eggshell mind. It's definitely taken. You know, it's got to be. I'm, I'm gonna look it up though. <laughs> I'm gonna look it up. Uh, Jeff is yam. Mine's just my name backwards. <laughs> yam your fedge. <laughs> Jeffrey <laughs> name backwards. Yam your fedge. Oh, before we go. Yeah. Uh, before we go. Uh, Stevie Wonder uh, recorded um. uh, <laughs> recorded some instrumental albums in the mid '60s with his name spelled backwards, and that's oh. the name of it. Uh, check those out; they're pretty cool. I listened to them the other day. Get in the oh, now, now I have to think. How do you Rendo say Evsty Evist <laughs> or something? <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, get in the garage podcast uh, dot com and uh, or a gitg podcast dot com. I think or get that might be no, it's full. Get in the garage podcast dot com. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, all that fun stuff. Thank you guys again for joining us. Thank you, Jeff May, for coming and hanging out with us today. And um, we will see you guys next time. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Uh, We hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed recording it. Make sure to share, like, and subscribe to the Get in the Garage podcast, now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, and a bunch more. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram or email us directly at getinthegaragepodcast at gmail.com for any questions or topics you might like to hear us cover. Thanks again, guys. See you next time. Get in the garage.